Welcome to Millennial 614. I'm Andrew. I'm Laura. And I'm Pamela. Who here hates Comcast? (laughs) Me. Me, so I left them. (laughs) Yeah, I'm strongly considering doing the same. Um, I've been in a days-long fight with Comcast, which finally culminated this afternoon in me going just completely Karen on them for about two hours. (laughs) Uh, So... On Friday, we had a cable fall down. It dropped down really low, about four or five feet off the ground. And it was hanging right in the only entry and exit to our building and then like three other buildings. So nobody could get in or out. Our mail truck couldn't deliver. It was just a mess. And also, there's this cable that's just fucking dangling. And it is responsible for all of our internet connections. Meanwhile, we knew that we had tornadic weather coming through Sunday night, and we were like, oh, great. So the wire is already hanging low. We have bad weather coming in. I spent all fucking weekend trying to get a hold of Comcast. I called. I got on their virtual chat assistant and requested multiple times to speak to a human being. And it was like, okay, we'll set you up with an agent right now. And then it would disconnect me. I even went on Twitter. (laughs) And was like, yo, guys, what the fuck? First, I DM'd them because I'm like, I'm not going to start. I'm not going to escalate this all the way to an 11, like right out the gate. But then they never got back to me. 24 hours went by and I was like, fuck you. And I went and complained about it publicly on Twitter. Then finally today I call and I get, I shit you not, guys, six different supervisors. (laughs) Six. Because they were like, oh, we can have somebody out to fix it in 72 hours. Imagine if somebody has a medical emergency or if somebody needs to go out and buy fucking toilet paper and they can't do it. So we need this fixed today. And then because I was pissed off because they made me go through six different people who kept telling me no, I was like, also, I want this month for free. (laughs) And they were like, no, no, we can't do that. You still got internet service. And I was like, yeah, but I can't get out my house. So basically, I just wound them in circles because I was like, guess what, bitches? We're all quarantined right now. I don't have anywhere to go. I can play this game. So I was waiting for you to become Karen and and you <laughs> sounded like perfectly within your right for all of it until you got to that. I'm just going to be here all day asking you for free yep, shit. Exactly. I should have just cut my hair. <laughs> but like, can I speak to your manager? But I still support it. So yeah, I mean, it was just And I know this is going to make me sound like a Karen, but it's the principle of the thing. Right. But anyway, I ran them around in circles until finally they're like, okay, we can cover half of your bill. And I was like, no. (laughs) It's not enough. I need all of it. (laughs) And the guy came back and was like, okay, we can do the full full bill. (laughs) Look at you. And I was asserted yourself. Yeah. Well, God knows. I have time. Yeah. Well, good for you. I have a question, though. I keep hearing this phrase, a Karen, a Karen. What is a Karen? Who is Karen? (laughs) A Karen. Ooh, okay. Well, first of all, I think every white woman has a Karen inside of her that she is able to, like, bring out some more than others. I think it is up to white women to use their ability to be a Karen for good. But what is... (laughs) But... But a Karen, and I think eh, probably a lot of our listeners are familiar with this concept, it's a white woman who complains about things effectively. Um, And some of the more egregious examples of Karens are the ones who, like, call the police for stupid shit. 
that right. <laughs> does not require the police coming. Right. They're probably just being racist and called the cops for no good reason. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I'm not quite sure where the Karen originated, you know, because usually it's an alliteration. My yeah, brother. But... So actually, I have heard this for a while because my brother says this running joke at Disney World because he works at Disney World mm-hmm. that they they call moms who are a pain Karens. Mm-hmm. So I thought it originated there, but everybody's using that phrase Karen now. So sucks to be a Karen right now. Like your name, if your name is actually Karen, because I <laughs> I know I do feel bad. And I, I do know a couple of Karens, and they're lovely people. I, I know a Karen who's a real bitch, so this checks out oh, for me. Oh, there you go. Yeah. The shoe fits. Jemima in the Discord said, Karen is that iconic vine of the woman screaming about Apple Care. Oh, yep. I okay. don't know if y'all have seen that. It's the woman who's like yelling at the poor Apple Care or the poor Apple Store employee being like, I was told that if I came into the store, I would be given the part by Apple Care. And she's like hitting her baby stroller violently throughout this whole altercation. It's it's crazy. You know what? It's funny we talk about a Karen this week because I was actually Karen <laughs> last week. And it ruined the rest of my day. I'm going to talk about it in After Dark because it's just an exhausting story. And if I bring it up now, I'm going to be ruined the rest of the show. So stay tuned. Andrew is Karen today in After Dark. No, and it's it's frustrating for sure because I was like, like, I've worked in customer service pretty much my entire adult life, right? And I don't want to be that person. But like right. when I get a supervisor like multiple supervisors who are like okay can you wait on hold and they put me on hold for like 20 minutes and then it rings back to the first person i talk to in that chain of people i'm like god fucking damn it this I'm is with what you. this is what makes it come out by the way one of the panel is drinking today and we're going to bring back a game we haven't done in a long long time guess who's drinking so listeners listen to today's episode as you normally would and do you hear anybody acting differently maybe speaking a little differently, write in with your guess as to who is drinking. And we will reveal who it is on next week's episode of Millennial, if we remember to follow up. In other news, Bernie is out. Joe is the Democratic contender to face Donald Trump this November. Happened last week. We did a breaking news to talk about it in greater detail. But the big story on Monday was that Bernie has now endorsed Joe And they sat down for a live stream, the two of them in their respective homes, and they talked through their their hopes and dreams for the country. And Bernie gave a full-throated endorsement of uh, Joe, which was really nice to see. And in these times where everybody's so mad and split, divided, it was actually really, really nice. I tuned in for a little bit to see these two sitting down and talking not fighting with one another, not having this pissing match over their accomplishments. I feel the same way, especially after how this went in 2016, where Senator Sanders did not drop out of the race until July um, or June, one of those summer months. Um, And that made it a lot harder to have a unified convention. And I really appreciate that he's not doing that this time. And also, I think Bernie has some really good ideas. And I'm all about some of those ideas influencing Biden's platform. So I think it's a win-win. He stepped out in mid-July, this time a lot Mm -hmm. earlier, which is good. So on today's episode, we will talk about the latest developments concerning coronavirus. And we're also going to talk about absentee voting 
And today's breather is Quibi. This is a new streaming service, a big deal, a lot of celebrities behind it, and a ton of shows at launch. And we've all watched it, so we'll talk about that. And also, we have some questions from our Bay patrons. But first, to kind of get the ball rolling on talking about coronavirus, I just wanted to ask you guys, have you left the house? Define leaving the house. Like, you've walked your dog, of course. Yes. Both of you have. Mm Mm-hmm. Other than that, have you been to stores? Uh, the last time I went to the grocery store was almost two weeks ago. That was the last trip that I made out into the general public. I went to Target last week, but prior to that, I had not gone to a store in about two and a half weeks. So wow. I feel like that's okay. pretty good. Like, I, I, you know, we, we got a head start in my family, if only because my mom was sick before shit really hit the fan with Corona. So we had already just started preparing because when she was sick, we weren't sure if she had it or not since they weren't really testing people anyway. So that definitely has helped. Like we haven't had to go scouring for our toilet paper or anything like that. I was expecting you two to have been sheltering in place for a lot longer, like a month, because every time we talk, you guys talk about how you're not leaving the house. Like it sounded like at all, but I've been going out a little more than you two. I've been going out about once a week. I still need one target run or one Costco run a week. I just, the mom in me, the Karen in me needs that. Um, but other than that, not really, but how about like takeout? Are you guys doing takeout or are you just, no, 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 exclusively cooking at home for well over a month at this point. And you've made that last two weeks at a time. Yep. Wow. That's really good. Are you cooking the same things, different things? No, no. we are doing a lot of crock pot meals though. Um, mm-hmm. so we'll like make chili or a stew or something that'll last us for a few days. Because, you know, Crock-Pot's a pretty decent amount of food. So when we're shopping, we have that in mind. Like, what Crock-Pot meals do we want to do that are kind of, like, tide us over for longer periods of time? Mm-hmm. And then, of course, we get the stuff that, that we want and the, and the comfort food and, and the things that make us feel good. I've yeah. also been doing a lot of instant pot cooking and mostly doing soups because those last for quite a few days. But your chili on Instagram looked really good, so I might follow suit. Thank you. Because that's pretty hearty. And that was totally vegetarian chili. I was so proud of it. That's fantastic. We've been doing some cooking, but we've definitely been getting takeout more. We probably shouldn't because I feel like that's just not very safe to do. You don't know who's making your food and if they're infected, if they're taking the proper precautions, etc. So we definitely need to be cooking more at home. But oh my God, I just... You save so much money. That's the other thing. I know, I know. But takeout's so fun. You look forward to this food. Trust me, we are so excited for the day that we can actually go out to eat again. We already have plans with a couple of our friends to go food hopping when... Oh, that's that's good. Not bar hopping, food hopping. Mm -hmm. Um, And we have... uh, Atlanta natives would know, but there's a stretch of highway called Buford Highway, and it's just lined with like all of the best, like various Asian cuisines, lots of taco stands, super good, authentic food. And we're just going to like bounce back and forth between the sushi bar and the taco stand, and it's going to be wonderful. Honestly, that's all I've been craving is like a really good mission style burrito. Mm, Yeah. (sighs) You can only get that at like. A taco shop. We have a question from a listener, and I think you will probably give that answer again later in today's episode, Laura. So can you tell us what the latest is in terms of the stimulus relief applications and and getting those checks? 
Yeah. So from what I've been hearing, folks who had already received a federal tax return in the past two years and had their direct deposit information on file have already started receiving their direct deposits of the $1,200 stimulus payment. Um, Stimulus relief is set to, or the application for stimulus relief is set to be available in mid-April. That's what the IRS site says, which I assume and hope means April 15th. As of right now, it's a dead button that doesn't go anywhere. Um, But that will be for the folks who, like I'm one of these people, um, didn't have their direct deposit information on file with the IRS. So that'll be your opportunity to submit that information. That way you can get your stimulus payment as well. And we'll include the link to that to the show notes, but it's irs.gov slash coronavirus slash economic dash impact dash payments that you'll want to keep an eye on. I know uh, you mentioned that some people are starting to receive them. Jewel, our social media manager, is one of those people who has actually received that cash. And I think, I don't know if this is a coincidence, but I just saw her head out on a cruise. <laughs> it's interesting timing. <laughs> that doesn't sound like her. <laughs> that sounds like an Andrew fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> I've said I haven't been on a cruise before and I would love to go. And maybe once this is over, it'll be a good time to because the prices will be more affordable. Sure, I risk getting stuck on a boat with people who are infected with coronavirus and having to live on that thing for like a month or two. But eh. Be good for the show. (laughs) Dr. Fauci, the director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Disease, he's the one who's been by Trump's side through a lot of this. One of the doctors, one of the experts, you know, who like actually knows what he's talking about. The one naturally the face palm. (laughs) Right. When Trump opened his mouth. Uh, So naturally, Trump does not like him because Fauci uses facts. Anyway, he spoke to the Wall Street Journal podcast And he said that when the country begins to loosen lockdown restrictions, some behaviors must change. And he talked about handshaking. And he said, when you gradually come back, you don't just jump into it with both feet, which I think we've all been expecting. we got to re-enter normal society cautiously. He said, one of them is absolute compulsive hand washing. The other is you don't ever shake anybody's hands. And then he said, I don't think we should ever shake hands Again, to be honest with you, not only would it be good to prevent coronavirus disease, it would probably decrease instances of influenza dramatically in this country. I thought it was very interesting for somebody in this position to just say, honestly, we should never shake hands again, ever. (laughs) I think he's right, but I don't think it's ever going to happen. But I bet less people will be shaking hands after this, even a year from now, two years from now. I I will probably be one of those people. I'll probably try to avoid it. But at the same time, I don't know what I'm going to do if somebody extends their hand for a handshake. This is what I wanted to talk about. What can we do instead? What are the handshake alternatives? (laughs) It's something. Maybe we can do elbow tapping. I wouldn't go that far. Here's what I'm going (laughs) to do. I'll give a good like a uh, you could do a bow. So you could go like this, mm-hmm. you know, just really go down. But I'm just thinking a solid head down, like, good to see you. Good to see you. Yeah. I know um, AOC was talking about she had learned from some of her constituents. I forget. I feel terrible for this, but I forget, like, what religious sect they were. But it had to do with, like, not being able to make physical contact. So their way of, like, acknowledging people was to, like, give a warm smile, but then place their hand on their chest. Oh, Good to see you. I, I liked that. I thought that, that was nice. really nice. Yeah, because your hand's busy. It's up here on your chest. Yeah. You can't shake with it. 
because <laughs> you're this touching is honestly your heart. the like not handshaking would be something I would have to work on because I just feel like I had to work to do it more. Mm-hmm. You know, just like because with journalism, like if you're going out to interview people, like I used to do when I was in school, like you shake people's hands. It's 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 like a very business thing to do. Yeah. So it's just like, oh hi, I'm you know I'm Pamela. Nice to meet you. And then you shake someone's hand. So that I think that I just it, it's like a natural thing. Yeah. Well, and there's so much ingrained in how you perceive a person based on their handshake, right? Like we've always heard about somebody having a strong handshake. And if they have kind of like, if they don't really fully shake your hand and they just sort of like give you the finger shake, you're like, Ugh, it's not right. You know, <laughs> one time I shook one of my <laughs> uncle's hands. He's now passed, but I shook his hand as a kid and it was a weak handshake. And he says, what are you, gay? (laughs) (laughs) And you were like, well. Yes. Yes, I am, actually. (laughs) That's fucked up, though. I'm sorry that happened. Also, like, in different cultures, like, like, I know in France they do this, but also in in Latin America, it's like a handshake and a kiss on the cheek. Yeah, people got to stop this Mm -hmm. stuff. So that's even crazier, you know? I'm thinking a deep head nod and a wave. So, like, thank you. Good to see you. Like that. Put the like hand you're out. pushing their handshake away. Like, no. Yeah, or pushing them away. <laughs> Go away. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> no, but I'm going to st- I'm gonna start doing this, and I don't give a fuck if people don't like it. They know why you're doing it. They know why people are going to be giving less handshakes. It's because we don't want to spread germs. Maybe handshakes are a thing of the past, at least in America. They could be. They really could be. If Now, Trump isn't going to do this, but if we had a president, let's say if Obama was in office right now or Hillary, and she just called for us as a nation to stop shaking hands after this. I think his point about influenza being, you know, spreading less is enough to really entice people to not shake hands anymore. I like some of the suggestions in the Discord. Um, Loyalist Lord and John C. are saying uh, the Wakanda forever. <laughs> salute <laughs> i don't feel like i can do that is it like I, is it this i'm looking at the emoji they used well it's with fists but oh like this yeah it's not yeah. forever it's also not ours to do so yeah but it's fictional it's it's fine you can take it <sighs> i have mixed feelings on that <laughs> mark will do it to me sometimes and i'm like you're not gonna get me <laughs> griff said finger guns like yeah. Pew 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 pew. Good scene, yeah. Good scene, yeah. Yeah, but then there's like a mass shooting and then you can't do that the day after. Oh no. <laughs> Seriously, who's gonna point at each other like that after a mass shooting? <laughs> yeah. So there was some big news in the tech world. Apple and Google are teaming up to introduce a coronavirus tracking tool. This is gonna work via Bluetooth. They're calling it a COVID nineteen contact tracing platform. And how this is going to work is when two people are near each other, let's say I walk by Pam and we both have our phones, our phones are going to say, hey, we just met. We just got close to each other. They're going to exchange little codes. So my phone knows that I passed Pam and vice versa. That data is going to hide in your phone. Then let's say Pam gets coronavirus. They will be able to load up Pam's phone and in an app or within the system itself, It will actually be able to see all the phones that Pam's phone has interacted with. Then I'll get a message saying, hey, you were close to Pam, and now Pam has coronavirus, so you should probably go get tested. This is a big deal. It's going to be rolled out in two phases. First, you're going to have to download an app. 
Um, and that's going to start in mid-May. We don't know what app makers they are working with, but it's not going to be official Apple and Google apps, it looks like. And then the second phase, and this is going to be a really big deal, it's going to be built into the operating system, but you do have to opt in. It's going to change the way we can figure out who has potentially been infected. How do you guys feel about this, though, from a privacy standpoint? And of course, there's still big questions here. That was going to be, that's my biggest hang up is just who decides what illnesses and diseases are worthy of being tracked in this way. Mm -hmm. I think an obvious example of something where they try to notify people is like STDs. But the way that that works is like, you only get notified if the person who tested positive gives them your name and contact info, which can kind of suck if you're not being notified that you have an infection. At the same time, though, like, who's to say that something like this couldn't potentially be weaponized if placed in the wrong hands? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a so good that point. That's why, you know, me. HIPAA laws exist. Medical mm-hmm. records are supposed to be confidential unless you choose to divvy that information out to people that you know. So that's probably mm-hmm. why they're having everybody opt in. At the same time, you know, how long until it's mandatory for us to do it because the technology is there and it would be safer, you know, in the eyes of the people that are making decisions. Right. The thing is, if COVID-19 never happened and Apple and Google introduced this, we would say, what the fuck? We don't need this. What are you talking about? And now a pandemic has happened. And now people are actually really interested in this idea. Personally, I think this is a great idea. We have this technology. We're always carrying these phones. Let's track who we're getting close to. And yes, of course, we shouldn't be able to pull up this data to see when we last passed any person on the planet. But I think if it's just these, if it's just based on keys, it's going to be anonymous information. I think this is really important. And this could save a lot of lives. And it could prevent a lot of questions. Because, you know, we're all wondering, have we interacted with somebody who has had coronavirus? With this on, we would know. Yeah, I guess my feeling about it is something like this comes about as a result of a larger problem, which is the testing problem. And if we had adequate testing and everyone and their mom could have a coronavirus test done, then this idea might not have ever come to fruition. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't think that in and of itself, it's like an inherently bad idea or an inherently good one. But I think that when you start introducing people's personal health statuses into the tech world, you get into a really fuzzy area when it comes to issues of privacy and security. Um, So, you know, I have concerns about it, just like I have concerns about, for example, (laughs) my least favorite thing that Obama did was try to pressure Apple to create a backdoor into the iPhone for the FBI. I wasn't down with that either. Mm. Um, And stuff like this can just, I feel, very quickly turn into a slippery slope. And uh, as for its effectiveness, I think it'll be effective once it's implemented at a system level. But you have to download an app for phase one. People Mm -hmm. aren't really going to do that. I'm going to do it because I'm a nerd. You guys might do it because we might talk about it on the podcast. But society on a whole is not going to download this app. And of course, this is leaving out a lot of people, less privileged people who do not have smartphones. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's still going to spread rapidly through some communities where smartphones are less common. 
But it's really cool. And it's just a testament to where we are with technology these days. And I'm excited to see Apple and Google team up so quickly, really, to to do Mm -hmm. this. I mean, to have two massive tech giants like this come together in the name of public health is is really cool to see. Yeah, I think from just like a a straight technological capability level, it's very interesting and very cool that that that's possible. Um, I just, I have concerns. I have reservations about some of the real world consequences that could come as a result. But yeah. as, as you said, this is still very early. So we might learn more. One other thing in regards to coronavirus, I saw this report from The Atlantic today, 52% of people 45 or under have lost a job, been put on leave or have had their hours reduced as a result of coronavirus. That is a huge number, half of people under 45. And of course, a lot of those are millennials. So to those who have lost a job who are listening, we're we're so sorry we feel for you. Um, I think everybody's affected by this in some way. Um, I haven't brought it up on the show yet, but Pat, unfortunately, was fired about two weeks ago. And not just furloughed, fired. And they're going to be moving his responsibilities to somebody else. And of course, this was just awful news for him. It it just came out of the blue. Now he's looking for a job like so many other people. And um, he's actually been side hustling. He's been uh, grub hubbing, which I know what you're thinking. Oh, he's going out in the public and <laughs> maybe catching coronavirus. And he was worried about that. But, you know, he's has his face covered. Grubhub, DoorDash, these other services, they have uh, contactless delivery available now. So he is reducing his contact when he's out there. But it's just a really sad situation for him and so many other people. And getting a job is going to be damn hard right now because how many people are unemployed that have been reported? Over 16 million, I think, at this point. Yeah, these the numbers are crazy. All these people are looking for a job. Yeah. I I was reading that um, sort of on top of the 52% number you were just talking about, 70% of Americans have been impacted by coronavirus, either directly or indirectly, whether that means they lost a job or like a member of their household lost a job. Um, So this, this is really impacting anyone. I think that we would be, I think most would be hard pressed to not have one person in their life that they know that's impacted by this. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And even at Hypable, we're going to have to make some changes next month because there's just no money coming in advertising-wise. And I actually thought we would be immune because we are online, obviously. It's not a brick-and-mortar business. But even still, because if we don't have... If we have less advertising, then the site's making less money and we depend on that month to month. And speaking of that, this week's episode is sponsored by listeners like you. We actually don't have any traditional advertisers this week, and our ad coverage in the coming weeks will be more sparse than what you're probably used to. With COVID-19 impacting our advertisers, we feel so lucky to be a listener-supported show over at patreon.com slash millennial. It gives us the funding we need to run the show, plus create cool benefits that are posted weekly exclusively on Patreon. With support tiers as low as $2 a month, it's very affordable to join us on Patreon. And thank you to all of you who currently support us, no matter the tier. If you need plenty of content to stay entertained while you shelter in place, we recommend our $5 support level to gain access to our flagship benefit, After Dark, as well as the Millennial Variety Show, our exclusive Discord channel to chat with the hosts and each other during live broadcasts, and a whole lot more. And if you're not in a place to support us with your hard-earned cash, there are still ways you can support the show. 
Subscribe to us for free on your favorite podcasting app, share your favorite episodes or content from our social feeds, or share the show with a friend. Getting the word out there about the show also really helps us out. We're weathering the storm like so many of you and would humbly appreciate any support of the show, financial or otherwise. Thank y'all again. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It really does mean the world. And moving on, we wanted to talk about absentee voting, which has been a pretty common topic in the news lately. You may have heard of it described as mail-in voting. With everything going on with COVID-19, more and more states are looking to expand mail-in voting programs. However, these efforts are facing some resistance from the good old Republican Party. Any guesses as to why that might be? More people voting is bad news for Republicans. Yeah. And actually, we have a clip from our, our, uh, our dear leader. I, I will tell you this. If you look at before and after, the things they had in there were crazy. Uh, they had things, uh, levels of voting that if you ever agreed to it, you'd never have a Republican elected in this country again. They had things in there about, uh, you know, election days and uh, what you do and uh, all sorts of uh, clawbacks. And they had things that were just totally crazy. Yeah, totally crazy to expand access to voting for everyone and not just to the privileged who can take time off work to go to the polls or to the people who have access to the technology that they need to request an absentee ballot. A lot of this comes in the wake of several states trying to automatically mail voters absentee ballot applications instead of requiring voters to solicit the application first and then send it in. So primarily Democrats and Democratic-run states are really trying to expand the access to voting coming up in these primaries and then especially in November um, so that we don't have hundreds, thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of people being sick and standing out at the polls together, where we know that social distancing wouldn't be super easy to enforce. And social distancing also only works up to a certain point, right? I think, Andrew, you had talked about this being an issue at your polls recently during Illinois' primary. Yeah, Pat and I went to an early voting location, and they were encouraging people to stay six feet apart, which was good. However, that, you know, it made the line so much longer, like the line was going places it never would have otherwise. And I didn't wait because just looking at it, (laughs) I, I did vote on voting day itself. But just looking at that line, I was like, hell no, I don't want to wait in this line. And just spending so much time around other people, even if you are six feet apart, is uncomfortable. Yep, exactly. Um, and actually, I have an example of it in my home state of Georgia. So Georgia's primary was supposed to happen in March. It got delayed until May 19th because of the COVID-19 crisis. And there's now a movement to send every voter Uh, or every eligible voter, an absentee ballot application. Uh, Republicans in our state legislature are pushing back against this. And our House Speaker here in Georgia, David Ralston, uh, said this when he was talking about trying to delay the May 19th primary along with absentee voting that could come with it. He said, this will be extremely devastating to Republicans and conservatives in Georgia. Every registered voter is going to get one of these. This will certainly drive up turnout. 
there's like no gray area <laughs> with these arguments. They've gotten to the part where, and a lot of people have pointed this out, including my favorite, Stacey Abrams, they've gotten to the part, the point where they're saying the quiet part out loud, which is that we know if more people vote, we won't win any more elections. Why can they get away with that? Because they run everything right now and they've packed the courts. That's the main thing. And we can actually talk about Wisconsin and what happened with their primary last week. So uh, Wisconsin Governor Tony Evers, who is a Democrat, asked the Republican-run state legislature to uh, push the Wisconsin primary back until June. They refused to do it. So he took executive action and delayed the primary himself until June. The state Republicans immediately pushed back to the state Supreme Court and ended up getting his decision overturned so that Wisconsin voters had to physically be present at the polls on the original primary day, which was last Tuesday. Uh, The other part of this was that a case out of Wisconsin had reached the U.S. Supreme Court because Democrats were pushing to have absentee ballot um, submissions uh, deadlines extended so that because of the of the crisis going on, people would have more time to get those ballots in the mail. And our conservative-leaning Supreme Court on the federal level shot that uh, that case down. So the the deadline was not extended for mail-in ballots in Wisconsin. And that's that's really why all of this is happening is because there is no there's no judiciary oversight anymore. Yeah, and it was tough to watch Election Day in Wisconsin because you're seeing all these people with gas masks on and any anything they can put together yep. to keep their mouths covered. And it was actually really inspiring to see so many people still go out to the polls, even though they were risking their health Yeah, because they still really wanted to vote. That was cool. But nobody should ever have to make that choice. No, yeah, for sure. Ever. And I... I I wouldn't shame anyone one way or the other if it came down to it and mail-in voting was not easily accessible to the general public and you had to make the choice between your health or, you know, your civic duty. I'm not going to shit on somebody who's scared because I understand. Mm -hmm. Well, and it's been funny watching Trump shit on mail-in voting recently because he's been doing it on Twitter and he's just been saying that it's fraudulent and and there's crime involved somehow i guess i just i guess the fake votes that he claims would happen um well, but yeah, there's he requested an absentee ballot <laughs> uh, in the most recent election right yeah mm-hmm. yeah so that's uh not very helpful for him when he's trying to make his case well and when you also think about the fact that i mean there there are so many different people across the board who request absentee ballots active service members And we know that Republicans love to jack off to the idea that they have the military in their pocket. But you're saying that active service members now shouldn't have access to this? Veterans shouldn't have access? I presume there will still be exceptions. So active service members, veterans. But Joe Schmo, 25 years old, sitting in Wisconsin, isn't going to be allowed a... uh, a mail-in ballot. Also, like, yeah. um, um, a lot of college students, too, do absentee voting mm-hmm. because, you know, maybe they're not going to be in wherever they're going to school for longer than they're studying. So they'll mm-hmm. still vote in their home counties and their home states. So that's a huge, you know, chunk of people that a lot of, like, young people, too, that 
would not be able to vote if they just did away with absentee voting altogether. Also, remember when Trump was screaming about voter fraud around the 2016 election? And then a year or two later, he puts together a commission to look into voter fraud. And guess what they found? Nothing. No widespread voter fraud. Yeah, well, and he actually ended up disbanding that investigation before it was officially able to report had, its findings. They had nothing to do. They were bored. There was nothing to look into. Yeah. <laughs> and to further complicate this, uh, President Trump has shown over the last few days that he is uh, cheering for the U.S. Postal Service to fail. Um, the U.S. Postal Service has communicated that it is in dire straits as a result of COVID-19, just like everyone else, and that they will run out of money by September if they do not get a bailout. Uh, Trump reportedly said that he would veto any stimulus bill that attempted to give a bailout to the USPS. Mind you, the USPS is how we can all, you know, afford to send each other letters or packages or what have you. If you want an example of what a privatized postal service might look like, which is, by the way, what the Republican Party wants, look at UPS and FedEx and imagine paying UPS and FedEx prices to send a letter or send a package. Mm -hmm. And they still suck, UPS and FedEx. (laughs) (laughs) They're still not good. I get stuff late well, all yeah, the time. Yeah, and the U.S. Post, the U.S. Postal Service has to subsidize some of the deliveries for UPS and FedEx. Trump's being that meme where the guy's pointing to his head. No mail-in ballots <laughs> if there's no mail. <laughs> <laughs> but really, that's that's what he's thinking, right? That's what you're saying. Oh yeah, hundred percent. So and I know it's crazy. I, I just I didn't put it together in my head. But now that we're talking about this, I, I'm realizing that it's very possible. This is why he did it, but. On Friday, we got a like a little postcard in our mailbox saying that our mailman had retired, like it was his last day. And he he had p- made up these little postcards that said, thank you for, you know, allowing oh, me to serve cute. you. And it, like, I'm sure that a lot of people that are older, or close to retiring are taking that out because they're not sure if they will have job security in a few months mm-hmm. or they'll be able to get as much if they don't. And that's yeah. the shocking thing. These are federal employees. He's refusing to bail out federal employees, which by the way, the US Postal Service, 18% of its employees are veterans. Again, another class of people that the Republican Party loves to fantasize that they have in their pocket. And also the US Postal Service is one of the largest em- federal employers of women, particularly women of color. But also, it's the mail. Like, how could Trump's voters be okay with this? Many of them are in the flyover states, no offense, listeners in flyover states, who, you know, they don't pay their bills online. They don't correspond online. They still use the mail. In a lot of ways, we all use the mail in some way or another. I send the hypable checks through the mail. Mm Mm-hmm. I pay all my bills online, but a lot of people still do that because they yeah. don't like using the internet. They don't like to put their credit card online, etc. I just I just don't see how this is a winning issue for him. I don't either, but I think that it it comes down to a misinformed base. There are a lot of issues that shouldn't be winning issues for him and somehow yeah. it still works. My fear is that you know, should the U.S. Postal Service fail and we have to go to relying on private 
parcel delivery like FedEx or UPS that will end up with mail deserts. These, like you said, Andrew, flyover states and really remote areas where UPS and FedEx don't deliver to. And they're private companies. They don't fucking have to. So then what happens when your grandma can't get her mail or can't pay her bills? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So this is, I mean, it's a much larger issue than just mail-in ballots. But unfortunately, Trump seems to be willing to let the Postal Service fail over mail-in ballots because he doesn't want to lose an election. (laughs) And yet he wants to ensure everybody that, you know, um, there's never been lower unemployment rates, not even realizing that if he does this, like, that's a huge spike in people that will be out of work. Yeah. Yeah, it's like 600,000 people, I believe, who are employed by the Postal Service. I guess that's all right. At the worst time in the country's history to unemploy more people. Yeah. Unreal. Mind-boggling. Well, I thought that we could talk just quickly before we move on about absentee voting and how we prefer to vote. Have any of us other ever voted absentee before? I vote absentee every time. I, I think I have once or twice. It's easy. Yeah. Yeah. I'll yeah, drop it off easy. at the ballot because you still have to put a stamp on it, technically. And so it's just easier because the, the polling place is very close to my house to fill it out and then send it. But it cuts mm-hmm. down on the time a lot. I, I will say that I typically I love voting and I get swept up in the excitement of an election. And I really do have a preference. I like to go physically vote. I do, too. I like to do it. But I'm not doing it this year. I'm for 2020, I am voting absentee. Um, I I see no reason why I should show up at a polling place, especially since, like, I've already I already requested my absentee ballot for our primary before our primary even got moved. I think I'll still do it. You think you'll still go in person? I like going into the polling place. By the way, all fifty states have absentee voting, and as Trump far is- as I know. Trump isn't complaining about that. And that's basically mail-in voting. So his issue, though, is that if it's required mail-in voting versus with absentee, you actually have to write in advance and say, I want an absentee ballot. Is that the difference? Yeah. So many states have 30-day deadlines um, on, like, registering to vote, but also on requesting absentee ballots. So, like, it's not made very easy to vote last minute. So, like, if you're, you know, if say you're somebody who doesn't have access to, like, a computer or the internet or, like, you're working three jobs and you just don't have time to pay attention to this shit and you find out two days before an election that one's coming up, if you're not already registered to vote and if you haven't already requested an absentee ballot, you're probably shit out of luck unless you live somewhere like, I think, Colorado now lets you register when you come to vote. But it's really limited cases where that kind of access is available. They want to make it as hard as possible. Let's talk about Quibi. I'm sure that everybody and their mother has heard about the new streaming platform that actually launched just last week because they've been, you know, doing the most to push on the advertising and and uh, bring over some very familiar faces, which we'll talk about in a minute. But we thought that it'd be good to give you guys a primer in case you're still confused as to what the gimmick is and what the deal is. So Quibi is short for Quick Quick Bites, and their whole shtick is that it's short form, so under 10-minute video content, and it's designed for phone viewing in mind. 
and a subscription will set you back either $4.99 a month with ads or $7.99 a month. That is the ad-free version. Um, Behind the scenes, it's actually founded by Jeffrey Katzenberg, who has worked with Disney Animation and DreamWorks Animations. He was really pivotal in greenlighting Shrek, so... Um, that's his claim to fame. And then Meg I love Wh- Shrek. Thank you, Jeff. Who does love Shrek? <laughs> and then Meg Whitman, who is the former eBay CEO, is actually the CEO of Quibi. They also notably raised about two billion dollars in seed money before launching. And the New York Times was reporting that Quibi intends to spend one point one billion on original content in its first year alone. So that amounts to roughly eighty five hundred episodes and one hundred and seventy five original shows. Uh, so that includes movies and chapters, of which there will be about 35, 120 unscripted reality shows and documentaries, and then 20 news and lifestyle pieces as well. And then just speaking in terms of all of the star power it has, you know, going into launch day, there, like every celebrity probably you can think of has a Quibi show. It's crazy. I wrote down a few in the doc if you want to take a look. This is not even scratching the surface. So you know, like Will Arnett has a show, Tyra Banks, Chance the Rapper, Scooter Braun, who we all know and love from the Taylor Swift drama, Andy Cohen, James Corden, Darren Criss, Tom Cruise, Cara Delevingne, Guillermo del Toro, Laura Dern, Zac Efron, Idris Elba, Dakota Fanning. The list like goes on and on and on. It's kind of And this insane. is why people are paying attention because all these right. massive names are behind it. Nobody cares about Meg Whitman or Jeffrey Katzenberg, even if he did give us Shrek. God bless him for it. But yeah, there's a lot of star power here. And it's like, Why? This is you're on a streamer with 10 minute episodes and the name of this platform is fucking stupid. Quibi. And by the way, it should be Quibi if it's Quick Bites. Oh, hey. Idiots. Shots fired. Yeah, $2 billion sounds, to pronounce their cuter. name wrong. It's Quibi. It, I know. I get it. I get it. But still, don't call it Quibi. It's like, this is like the GIF GIF argument all over again. Honestly, if Pam didn't tell me it was short for Quick Bites, I never would have figured that out. I would no, have me just. Neither. I, did, you know look, how com- I did my research. I didn't even know until I started reading up on it. Internet companies are just so dumb always that you just assume that they pulled this out of like a, a name generator. Yeah, they all got Very together possible. in a boardroom somewhere and they were like, oh, this one sucks the least, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> we have what is it they had two billion dollars yeah two billion dollars we have two billion dollars whatever <laughs> let's spend five dollars in development on the name so we all checked it out over the weekend because they have a very generous 90 day free trial going on right now and also like how could we talk about this without dipping our toes into the water what did you guys watch well first of all the 90 day trial is really impressive you you don't see that you see that for like casper mattresses and that's about it but the, but these streamers it's like a two-week trial right or 30 days three months you can watch everything a billion times <laughs> probably so i really respect them for giving us that much time i mean they must really believe in it long term if they want to give us three months for free and then expect us to pay for it i watched a few shows that piqued my interest um, there was this feel-good show called Thanks a Million, and in each episode, and again, these are under 10 minutes, a celebrity gives $100,000 to someone in need, and then the recipient has to pass half of that to someone else, so it's like a friend or family member. So that was a feel-good show. I watched the J-Lo installment. There is this one, it's just, it's just insane, called Dismantled. Did you two watch this one? No, but I do love Titus Burgess. Mm-hmm. Titus Burgess. So it's a cooking competition. And 
the contestants taste a mystery meal that's been literally blown up in a room. So they have to like go up to the wall and lick it to figure out the ingredients. And they have to they have to try to figure out what this meal was and then they have to recreate it. So it's just like nailed it on Netflix, but instead of visuals, it's based on taste. And mm. and Titus, he he acts just like Nicole Byer. I mean, he is like just completely hamming it up and he's actually really freaking funny it's a nailed it ripoff i was like i don't know this is lame that they're being so blatant and also i will say that the the bon appetit test kitchen on youtube shout out to them because they're creating some amazing content they they also have you know professional chefs trying to do the same thing they're not blowing up dishes but it is kind of impressive to watch somebody you know just like smell a meal and taste a meal and then try and recreate it my apologies. It's not dismantled. It's dishmantled. <laughs> Thank you, Shane, for pointing that out. <laughs> anyway, that was really entertaining. I also watched Chrissy's Court. Chrissy Teigen is now Judge Judy, and apparently these cases are real. That was weird and dumb. Yep, I agree. I watched the first episode of that, and I love Chrissy Teigen and John right. Legend. Right. I love them to death, but this was stupid. Yeah, I, I also watched this, and I was expecting more, but... I- I hate to say, I think she's just funnier on on Twitter or on her Instagram live, which is short content anyway. But Mm -hmm. I wanted more from Chrissy for sure. But and like these cases actually are real. Allegedly. I guess she didn't she pay for that guy's speaker. Yeah. Ten dollars. Yeah. Well, it could still be fictional. I don't know. It's just like it just seems so ridiculous. Well, I mean, when you're watching those um, like Judge Judy, whatever shows like, I don't think Judge Judy's really a judge. I think she's just an adjudicator. But Judy has been there for 20 years. Yeah, Chrissy just walks into Quibi and, like, we're supposed to believe she's a real judge, you know? Like, Judge Judy, she's got a legacy. Chrissy well, I think Teigen. that they're, they're assuming that that's the comedy behind it. Right. Because, I mean, when you agree to any of these, like, TV judgment shows, you're agreeing to the terms that, like, whatever the judge decides is final and Mm -hmm. like can't be contested so i know they're having to sign all of this before they go in we should do this on millennial is is this is judge judy (laughs) real though are those real cases because look yeah i'm just saying that in in latin america they have caso cerrado and that's definitely fake like that's all fake. (laughs) (laughs) no i'm pretty sure judge judy those cases are real but since it's small claims like it doesn't matter okay that's fair yeah, I think some people care more about getting their 15 minutes than they do about like losing $500. Right. Laura, did you watch this next one? Let's roll. No, I didn't. You'll appreciate this one. This guy, I forget his name. He makes these high-end <laughs> smokable creations. In the first episode, he makes a deep dish pizza that you can smoke. That sounds great. I did not watch this one, but I saw it and I also thought of Laura. So, <laughs> oh, thank you. Every- Our favorite pothead. I know. It's like it's really clear which one of us is the stoner. Um, I watched Murder House Flip, which probably doesn't surprise anyone. The whole premise of this is that it's, you know, it's a house flipping show, except they're doing it on houses where murders took place to try and like breathe some like new happy life into these places. That's clever. Yeah. And I mean, I love true crime and I definitely like watching house flipping shows. So wait, these are homes where murders really happened? Yeah. Oh, oh, I'm in. I'm so in. That sounds great. I thought that was fictional. No. 
because a celebrity hosts it. So I was like, this is just some made up drama. Okay. I don't think so. Because like the first one is about a pretty prominent murder where this like old lady was killing people and burying them in her yard. Uh Uh-huh. And this older couple bought the house long after the events transpired and the bodies were exhumed from the yard and everything. But the whole premise is they're coming in to like make the space more appealing. This is great. Why didn't HGTV come up with this idea? I don't know. See, this is why I like Quibi. And this is a point I wanted to bring up. There are so many weird things going on. Murder house flip. Chrissy Teigen's court. Dish mantled. It's like this is stuff that network television, not even Netflix, would probably take a risk on because they have to produce 30 to 60 minute episodes. Whereas Quibi, Mm -hmm. they're like, 10 minutes. We can do 10 minutes of this. Fuck it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, if it if it fails, then they just drop it. It's probably not as big of a deal. Yeah. They have and they don't billion have to, dollars to play with. Who cares? What shows have you watched, Pam? Um, I watched a few of the ones that you guys did. Like I watched Chrissy's Court and Thanks a Million and Dishmantled. And then I also just because it's like probably one of the bigger titles that they've been pushing, I did watch the first episode of their punked reboot with Chance the Rapper. Um, it's nothing really to write home about. It, it's basically what Ashton Kutcher was doing, but with Chance the Rapper. So it's funny if you like that stuff, but it, it's not as maybe innovative as some of these other titles that we talked about. So Another interesting thing is that you can watch these in portrait or landscape, and they actually edited them for both orientations. orientations thank you. So you can just sit there and rotate it back and forth, and you're going to see two different versions of the show, which I thought was actually really interesting. As an editor, that sounds like hell, doing the same episodes yeah. twice. I will say the portrait boat still I kind of this out. me out of it. I didn't really like that. Yeah, the it, portrait mode you said? It doesn't feel like yeah. a natural way to watch. No, especially when they did like the split screen because they couldn't show, you know, in the landscape you could see maybe two people in a frame, but For like something like Chrissy's Court, it was just a little odd. I admired that they did that, though, because they're recognizing that that's how most people hold and watch things on their phones. One of the main questions I wanted to ask is what kind of lifespan we think this is going to have, because, you know, the market is really oversaturated with streaming services, especially right now where we have a few other bigger names coming down the pipeline. But then on top of that, I get the short form... um, allure but you know tiktok is also short form you have instagram tv which people have been using for a while and then youtube of course is like the og short form platform so i mean are they just banking on the celebrities to stay on board you know what this reminds me of it reminds me of title (laughs) (laughs) yeah because they they did the exact same thing and does title even exist anymore? But that's a good question. Title was more money. I think it was twenty dollars a month at launch, and you could get everything that title offered on Spotify and Apple Music. Quibi, on the other hand, it's all originals. And what I really like about it is it's not much of a commitment in terms of watching these shows. Most of the ones I was watching, they're like seven minutes max, and I was watching while on my fit desk. And it was just a nice little break. 
and it wasn't a big commitment. Sure, I have seven minutes to watch this real quick. The only problem is there's no like picture-in-picture mode. So you have to dedicate your phone to watching these. And by the way, you actually cannot watch Quibi through television right now. They did say that in light of COVID-19, they are working on projecting Quibi to your television. But only projecting to your television. So in other words, your phone is going to be tied up projecting to your TV. And you won't be able to check Twitter while you're watching Murder House Flip. So um, they've they've got a long ways to go. I think they uh, Apple and Google need to make it possible for them to watch Quibi in like picture in picture mode, so you can continue to check your email and whatnot. I think that's my biggest complaint about it. I can't do anything else on my phone while I'm watching Chrissy's Court. Yeah. How am I supposed to tweet about Chrissy's Court when it's taking up my whole screen? I think for me, I'm gonna need to give it more of a try because you know I played with it over the weekend, but. I didn't really find enough going on on Quibi that made it feel worth the expense, even though it's only like four ninety nine a month. I was kind of like, I think Ugh. that's where I lie too. Is that you know the ninety day trial is really nice, and maybe you know in ninety days I'll be like, this is something that I need to to keep around. But I'm not sure if I'm completely sold yet based on what I've seen, to, to shell out money continuously. And by the way, I just wanted to mention that there's one more big streamer to go, and that's HBO Max, which debuts next month. And that will be the new home of Friends, and they are putting together a buttload of originals that are much longer than 10 minutes. And this is also going to have HBO in it, and it's still going to be $15 a month. And that's going to be a very big deal. I think that's right up there with Disney Plus and, and Netflix. That's what they're aiming to create. The next one of those so you know and you mentioned the price like we just keep adding on five dollar a month subscriptions to our monthly bills and you know that really adds up so i think people are going to hit their limits real soon if they haven't already maybe this is why the quibi trial is three months they're trying to get you addicted in that three month period mm-hmm. and then you hit month four and you're like quibi's been with me through all of quarantine i can't stop now (laughs) i can't let her down i can't quit her after she kept me entertained well also i'm not sure how this works on android but on iphone when you set up quibi it just sets it up as a subscription so you're not even inputting a payment method so i could see it very easily turning into a situation where like four months five months go by and you're like, oh, fuck, I've been getting billed for Quibi for the last two months. <laughs> I'm not even caught up with Chrissy's Court. Yeah. Damn it. <laughs> I only watched the first episode. Yeah. <laughs> Pro tip with those Apple subscriptions, what I always do when I sign up for a trial through an iOS app is the first thing I do is I go into my account and I cancel that subscription from renewing. I just still that. get the trial. Like I could cancel Quibi right now. I'll still get the next three months. But I won't oh, have to pay for it. I didn't know that. June. I thought if you canceled the trial, you would lose it. Nope. You're just canceling the auto renewal, not mm, the trial. I'm going to do that right now. <laughs> yeah, I've definitely gone over by a day uh-huh. because I've forgotten in the past. It's just like, oh, man, now I have to pay $15 for that thing that I didn't really want for another month. Yeah. It Sorry, sucks. Meg Whitman. But I I think the other thing is that there's so much content on there. There is going to be something for you. So I think it is worth giving it a shot. 
All right, so this show went longer than expected, so we're not going to get through all of these Bay choices this week, but we'll do one now, and then we'll do a few more next week. Thank you for your patience. This one is from Pauline. Now that most people are working from home slash unemployed slash on paid leave, do you think people need to learn to be more honest when they just aren't in the mood to hang out? Zoom chat, Netflix party, etc. Because you can't really use the excuse, I already have plans or I have an early morning. <laughs> this is such a great point. <laughs> I've already been in this situation during quarantine. If somebody asks, like, if you want to get together, like Laura invited me to a meeting to uh, to hang out the, you know, a week or two ago, I had no excuse. Well, other than my family hangout. Yeah, allegedly, you've had a family hangout at that time. This is just a joke, kind <laughs> of. But he- okay, here's another example. So my friend um, put together this Mario Kart tournament. And um, of course, I have to say yes, because what else am I doing on a Sunday night? But then last night, they were doing like this online voice chat with it. And I was like, oh, I don't want to talk to these people. I just want to play Mario Kart, (laughs) you know, in peace, cream them. And by the way, I got second place. But yeah, we are in this position now where we have no excuse because we are home. We are available. I, I feel like, yes, people need to get to a point where they're comfortable saying, I just don't feel like it. Um, because I feel like once you rip that bandaid off, it's like, oh, that wasn't that bad. Nobody got offended. It's just like, okay, cool. Usually. I guess the problem is if you start using that excuse as valid as it may be regularly, then it's, you know, oh, Pauline never wants to hang out. (laughs) At least she's honest, but she never wants to hang out. So why should I continue talking to her? Well, I think that. I, you know, I'm again, millennial is not a replacement for talk therapy, but I think that it's healthy for your mental health to establish a balance. And I know, like, we've all talked about this from time to time on the show. There have been occasions where we genuinely didn't want to go out and do something, but then when we did, we actually had a good time and we were glad after the fact. So I think it's worth, you know, having a healthy balance of like you time, but then, you know, like time to go out and mingle with people or in this case mingle on zoom i've definitely already had a couple of zoom calls i've been invited to where i've been like oh you know thanks but uh i won't be there Mm -hmm. and it it hasn't caused any hurt feelings that i know of Mm -hmm. so i have dodged a little bit bit of a bullet so far just because i had been working from home before this So it's not uncommon for, you know, my friends to say, do you want to hang out at this time? And then they say, oh, no, I'm busy. They just assume that it's work related. So I don't know. That's like not the right way to answer this question. But (laughs) I I do appreciate that I I haven't had to actually address it, honestly. But I see what you guys are saying, because especially on the weekends, it's like at this point, what what are any of us doing? We're not doing anything. Right. Right. So you have no excuse. Yeah. Yeah, I, mean, I guess you could just be like being honest is probably always the best. I don't think anybody would fault you for saying, you know what, I'm just really tired tonight. I, I want to, you know, hit the hay early. Yeah. Or something like I, that. I completely agree with you, Pauline. I think it is time for us to just be honest, 
Even when quarantine's over, if somebody invites you out, just say, hey, I'm not up for it. Instead of making up an excuse, like let's say you lie about being sick or you lie about other plans, just say, I'm not up for it. For mental health reasons, probably. I just don't feel like going out. Yeah, and that and should be I've, okay. I've done this and I've definitely let my friends know before like, you know what? I'm kind of just in like a veg and like hang out in sweatpants kind of mood. But thank you for the invite. I definitely want to come next time. And then follow through with that. Actually go out. Actually go it's, sometime. Yeah. It's a problem when somebody's always making the excuse. But if you find a balance between like making excuses because or say, just being honest that you don't want to go out because you just don't want to go out and still prioritizing them in your life as a friend, you know, recognize that they have needs too. And their one of their needs is seeing you. I Sometimes I do when I can't make something, I try and initiate the next um, hangout or the next thing with whoever it was that invited me. And I feel like that's a happy medium because it gives me what I need, which is maybe, you know, a night at home. But it also lets that person know that I still want to see them. So instead of just saying, oh, I can't make it maybe next time, I'll make sure that the next time I'm the one that invites them to do something. And then if they say no, that's on them. But at least, you know, I, I feel like I let them know that I still appreciate them in my life and, and I do want to catch up. Yeah. And I think for me, being here at home, if I were to be invited to something like a Zoom hangout or, as Pauline said, a Netflix party, I sometimes I just want to play Animal Crossing. Sometimes I just want to be sitting with Pat and watching a movie. Being on Zoom is still socializing. It's still work. And I mean, you got you to gotta have the lights on so people can see you and you got to be sitting up so they can't see a quadruple chin <laughs> at the wrong angle. You know, it's a whole thing to yeah. get on Zoom. I mean, that's like so, this whole podcast is like, how do I angle the camera right. so that I don't have like a triple chin? Right. Yeah, here we go. This is my new angle. A few minutes ago, it's because my back is killing me from trying to keep this posture. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it, Zoom isn't that easy either. And then Netflix party, I mean, you got to commit two and a half hours to watching a show with other people and mm -hmm. chatting along with them. So yeah, even sitting at home and socializing can be exhausting. And <laughs> to non-millennials hearing me say that out of context, people would probably be like, fuck you, you millennials, you complain about everything. But it is, okay? Yeah. I mean, it's also a fair assessment that millennials complain about everything. We We do. We do. I think we have because... some valid reasons, but we do complain a lot. Heck yeah. <laughs> Heck yeah. All right, so we'll get to those other Bay questions next week. Time for recommendations. I want to recommend Mad Men. This is not a new show. It premiered on AMC back in 2007, 2008. I watched it as it was airing, but Pat has never seen it, and we've been looking for a new show to binge in quarantine. So I thought, let's do it. We binged um, Downton Abbey a few months ago. Again, I had seen it before. He hadn't. I've been really enjoying binging, re-binging favorite shows of mine. So we started Mad Men last night. We got three episodes in. I forgot how good it was. The writing in that show is amazing. And oh my God, I had also forgotten just how fucking sexist the guys are, at least in the first season. Does it get a little better? I think it gets a little better. No. No? It never gets better? Okay. I forgot. <laughs> no, there's there's lots of like slapping the secretary on the ass pretty much all the way through <sighs> never mind but then but i think yeah, i think it is an accurate portrayal oh yeah so i i really like it and also from what i understand not being somebody who was alive during this time period um, but i have it on good authority from someone who was that all of the set designs and like props and clothing and hairstyles everything is super authentic 
Um, And that makes it really enjoyable to watch as well. Right. And the writing's phenomenal. The themes they tackle are very good. Don Draper is a very, very intriguing character. And it's interesting looking at the ad industry because this is what it follows. Uh, Don Draper working as a creative director uh, at a very big ad agency in New York City. So Mad Men, all seasons are available on Netflix. Um, I want to recommend a movie called The Host. It's on Hulu, and it's um, directed by Bong Joon-ho. So if you enjoyed Parasite, um, this year's Best Picture winner, um, this is equally worth watching. I really enjoyed it. It's it's a horror comedy, um, and it's it's very it's very enjoyable to watch. I think as a director, Bong Joon-ho is really good at making compelling characters and putting them in compelling chaotic situations to the point where like you turn the movie on and you're sucked in in the first two minutes and I very much felt the same way in that regard about the host as I did about Parasite and I believe he has a couple of other films on Hulu as well so highly recommend checking it out I want to recommend the album Saint Cloud by Waxahachie Uh, it's something that I've been uh, playing a lot. It's really um, just intimate and a really nice portrayal of uh, the artist's uh, struggle to to get sober. And also, like, she talks a lot about love on there, too. If you're a fan of folk and Americana, I think that you would really enjoy this if you haven't checked it out yet. I think it dropped about two weeks ago now, so you can definitely stream it everywhere. All right. Thank you, everybody, for listening to today's episode. Like we said earlier, we would really appreciate your support on Patreon. You will get access to live streams. And if you're tuned in tonight, you just saw Pat's cat jump off the ledge right here. On Patreon, you can tune into our live streams as we record each Monday night. You also get the After Dark benefit. And what are we doing today? So we're going to hear a story about you being a Karen, Andrew. I'm very excited about this. I can already tell that you're exhausted before you even tell it. I was so upset that day. It was the worst start to a morning. (laughs) Uh, But we also are going to be revisiting our New Year's resolutions. Some of y'all will recall that we made some pretty uh, goal-oriented New Year's resolutions earlier on in the season. We revisited them sort of three months in just to see how they were going. But now we're going to revisit them again and talk about how we've altered them, uh, given that we are all living during COVID-19 and some of our original resolutions might not apply anymore. So uh, you'll get to hear about some of our failures (laughs) as well. (laughs) There There should be no excuses since we've all been stuck at home. But (sighs) here we are anyway, making excuses. It has a mental impact all of this. That's true. I've seen a very good reminder going out on the internet that, you know, just because you're home doesn't mean you need to be doing more. It doesn't mean you need to be taking on those things you said you would do when you were stuck at home one rainy day. It's okay to just do nothing at home or do whatever the fuck you want. Yeah, I seriously hate all this shit that I've heard about. Like, you're at home for three months. You should... Like, write a book or do something really productive or, like, start... Like, go fuck yourself. Yeah. Thank you, everybody, for listening to today's episode. You can go to millennialshow.com to listen to all of our episodes over our storied history. If you want to email us, you can write to millennialshow at gmail.com or use the contact form on millennialshow.com. And don't forget 
to follow us on social media. We are a millennial show on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. It is Jules' birthday this Saturday, so give Aww. her the best gift ever by following us on social media. Not her, us. <laughs> <laughs> but her too. She's also on social. And her too. Yeah, she's the yeah. best. Yeah, sure. And if you're lucky, you'll get you'll join her close friends list on Instagram. Are you guys on her close friends yeah, list? Yeah, I feel on- so special. I know. I me know. too. <laughs> Me too. Me it, too. I don't have a close friends list on Instagram. I feel well, like you need I'm close friends. That's true. Let me know if you want to, you know, be. I'll join I your saw, close I friends that list. Millennial has a close friend. Does list it? When I was, when I was putting the uh, my story up today, but it's just the four of us. <laughs> that should be a Patreon benefit. Close friends. Yeah, you get to be. A and we just post good shit. Yeah. I need to actually do a close friends list on my personal Instagram because I don't do it there either. But then I'm like, if you I add people... You probably feel so much more free to post whatever you wanted. I definitely would. But I also think to myself, if I add people to the close friends list and they see that, they're going to think that we're closer than we actually are. <laughs> and then I don't want them getting closer to me. <laughs> I mean, you know what? I need to now keep that a wall up. <laughs> mentioning that, I, I definitely have like 25 people on my close friends list. I don't think I need that many people. Wow, that's there. a lot. Am I on that list? I better fucking Yeah, be. but I never use it. Oh, okay. Sure. Yeah. I'll post something right now and, and then yeah. you'll see. <laughs> I'm going to add you to, to my close friends list and like a couple of the people Aww. who are listening on Discord do right now. Do I have now. to make a close friends list? Like I don't you know do. how this do. works. You yeah, do. it's in, in like your privacy settings or your story settings or something. Ugh, God, I don't know if I can yeah. be fucked to do that. Listeners, add us to your close friends lists, whether it's our personal Instagram accounts or the show's Instagram account. We would love to get a closer look at your life. Or don't, if you don't feel like it. Like, whatever. (laughs) I'm just making an offer. I'm (laughs) extending an invite. All right, thanks everybody for listening. I'm Andrew. I'm Laura. And I'm Pamela. Goodbye. 